being cognizant of the fact that this is something that we deal with every day, grief, loss, divorce, addiction, and we still have to come to work every day, put a smile on our face and do the job, whatever that job might look like. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Whether you're just getting started in your career or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, this podcast is for you. Here's your host, Sangram Vajray. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun episode of Flip My Fall Podcast. Uh, as always, I really enjoy just meeting and networking with a lot of great people. And there's not that many times where I think I've gone beyond the, the small circle or small pond that I think we, we all live, right? So most majority of the episodes are either in marketing and sales. Uh, and then today, I wanted to touch on a topic that is probably way deeper than anything we have ever covered. So it's important. Um, and I, I wanted to figure out a way to just do it in the best way possible. So I invited James Buckley, who is running the Uncrushed podcast. He, uh, he works with Ring Lead uh, as their sales leader and works with Salesforce and a couple of other companies to drive demand. Uh, so he has a marketing sales background. So, so there's, there's the connection there. And then he's doing this incredible thing. He's a brand ambassador for Uncrushed, which is all about mental health. So we're going to dive into that a little bit more. So James, welcome to the show and I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and a fun fact. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a big fan of your content for a long time. So coming on the show is super cool for me. Uh, I follow all your stuff on LinkedIn and everything. Um, so a little bit about me. I originally am from Miami, Florida. I have lived in East Tennessee for the last 13 years. Um, and I used to be a cook. Uh, I spent 15 years in the kitchen uh, just learning how to do basic stuff. And before I knew it, it was like a whole career for me. I bounced around from kitchen to kitchen, learning all these great meals. And my wife, as a result, does not cook. She's not welcome in my kitchen. I don't want her there. Please just stay out of the way. Wow, man. That's good. So you said 15 years you were a cook? Yeah, 15 years in the kitchen. Uh, off and on, I was doing sales jobs. So, yeah. you know, I would get tired of being in the hot kitchen over the summer. So I would go sell AT&T lines for a while or <laughs> I would go sell, you know, uh, security systems or, you know, I've got a few or pest control. I worked for Orkin for a little while. So I've got a lot of different types of sales experience just kind of moving in and out of the space. That is cool. Now, what type of food was your favorite one of all that you were working on? Sure. So my favorite places to work were the big chains because the personalities that are in there are so vibrant and loud. So we would have a lot of fun in the kitchen. So I worked at Applebee's in uh, Tennessee here in a place called Pigeon Forge. And we had a crew of about eight people that we had so much fun at the actual job. So for a while there, we felt like we weren't even working, but we were excited to come to work because we would all just play games and mess with the servers and, you know, throw food at each other. And it was just like a good time for us to get together and hang out for a while. So that was my favorite place to work, I think, in all the kitchens I was at. That is fantastic. I love that, man. I mean, that's a serious commitment for like 15 years to get in and out, hop on. And then obviously... So that just tells, uh, hopefully, everybody just the kind of person you are. Uh, let's just dive right into it. What is Uncrushed? What's the purpose of this nonprofit? Who yes. are, I mean, there's lots of people seem to be getting more involved with this uh, in general, so which is fantastic to watch. Uh, just, just unpack that for us a little bit. 
Yeah, sure. So Uncrushed is a passion project first for a man named Tim Clark. Tim Clark uh, does product marketing at Salesforce. Uh, and this was a very personal venture for him. Uh, so he wanted to, the, the mission of the organization, the nonprofit, is to spread awareness about mental health in business or, or just mental health in general, right? Remove the stigma that comes along with having some form of a mental health challenge that you deal with. In a lot of cases, this looks like somebody that has a hard time going to their boss and saying, I need help with something because I'm struggling in my life. Uh, or maybe it looks like somebody that's already done that, but not getting the help that they need. Uh, or perhaps you need a resource and you don't want to tell anybody and you just want to have somewhere where you can go and, and look up some resources that might be able to help you. So uncrush.org provides a lot of those resources. And then we're also giving people a platform to tell their stories. So this, there's two ways that we're doing this. The first way is that we're providing a submission form. So if you go to uncrushed.org slash submissions, that's where people can tell their story. We want to hear how you struggled with divorce in your, in your career. We want to hear how you struggled with addiction and managed to make it through. Uh, those stories are super positive for people that are currently going through what you went through and need those steps in order to move through it in their life. Uh, so we do that. And then the other part of it is the podcast that I'm hosting, Uncrushed. Please subscribe to it. Uh, what we're seeing is that people want to get on camera and they want to tell their story and they want to have this audio version of it out there so that they can share it with their network, so that they can share it with people that they might be involved in programs with, uh, so that they can say, hey, I found this resource that helped me. And we don't really care what that looks like. If we're doing good in that space and telling people that we understand, we empathize, and we have resources that can help you, that's something a lot of folks are gravitating towards and saying, I need this in my life. Or they have a personal experience that didn't impact their lives, but they have a connection to it for someone else that's in their life. And they want to share this resource with them as well. And either one of those looks like assistance in mental health and, and creating awareness and being cognizant of the fact that this is something that we deal with every day, grief, loss, divorce, addiction, and we still have to come to work every day, put a smile on our face and do the job, whatever that job might look like. I love that. There are like a hundred questions running in my head. So I'm trying to go, all right, where do I, where do I start? Because this yeah, is a yeah. personal topic, right? For a lot of people listening, how are you looking at this and how are people able to share that? Because there's part, as you talked about grief, loss, divorce, all these things, and you have to put a smile on your face. I, I think about that as a is just business as usual, um, right? And and then there's this other idea of like, bring your whole self to work, bring your entire personality to work. Well, if, yeah. if they really did that, then, you know, maybe they were just, you know, all right, I just had a bad morning, so I'm gonna throw, like, so you want sort of level of professionalism is like, hey, you know what, you need to come and, you know, be productive, not pull people down. And there's yeah. a balance in all of that and act, and there's, there's obviously the, uh, the the main thing that connects all this is your authenticity that who you are is what you should be. So uh, given how many episodes you have done, given how you're involved in this, given how much you personally are passionate about it in addition to Tim, how are you seeing certain people or if you could share certain companies 
are allowing this to be an open dialogue internally? Yeah, so in most cases, we're seeing really supportive organizations that people are currently working with. So there's not a lot of folks that are coming on the show or submitting their stories that are speaking poorly about the organizations that they're working with. What we're finding is that they're more apt to tell us why they're no longer at the past employer. And it was because of this mental health crisis that they dealt with that has a lot of effect on how they performed. So sometimes it's depression and we fight that depression left and right. Let's be honest, when you're in sales in general or marketing, there's an element of depression that's really difficult to escape. You're always under a deadline. You constantly have goals. You're never truly by yourself. There's always other people around you sort of influencing your decisions and that can be a little overwhelming. People are very sensitive to others. And because of that, other people's energy affects us. So we find elements of depression in both sales and marketing alike. Uh, but what we're seeing is more people are leaving when they go to their bosses or they go to their supervisors, or they even go straight to like the whole team and they come out with it and they say, I'm suffering from depression or I'm dealing with alcoholism right now. There's a stigma that comes right away and gets attached to them. There's a label that gets put on them as unstable, untrustworthy, um, inconsistent, right? Uh, you know, lame in a way like, oh, you know, you're just, you're just a weak-minded person. That's not necessarily true. Depression, addiction, divorce, right? These are unbiased things. They're things that affect everybody in some way, shape, or form. And they don't really care what race, religion, or creed you might have. They will impact you in some way throughout your life. Even if it's not directly at you, it'll be someone you know that's impacted by these mental health focus points that we're talking about very heavily. Uh, so I see a lot of people coming to me saying, no, you know, they didn't, they didn't really have a program to offer that would help me. And then also I felt like I was totally treated differently once I stepped forward and said that this was something I was dealing with. And then I felt uncomfortable. And once you feel uncomfortable, you start looking for that exit sign. You yeah. start looking for that plan. Like, all right, I've got to move on. This is not for me anymore. These people don't like me. Right. Uh, and the reason is not that they don't like you. It's that they don't know how to deal with this. So in some cases, we're seeing people that need to, to hear from us so that they know that it's okay. And then in other cases, we're seeing companies come to us going, how should I deal with this? And that's totally different because now we're educating companies on the right way to handle somebody that comes to you and says, I have an addiction or the right way to handle somebody that's suffering from depression that is reliable as heck, right? Like some people come to work every day, eight to five, smile on their face, and you never know that they're dealing with this problem in their personal life. And then you find out about it. You're like, oh my God, how could I have worked with this person for a decade and never known this? And the reason is because there were no systems in place and no leadership and there was no leadership there to encourage them to come out and say, I need help. No, they much rather feel alone because they feel like that stigma is something they want to avoid. So that's kind of the mixture of what we're seeing between people that have the problem and haven't come forward, people that haven't had experiences, and then companies that are looking for like answers, like how do I handle this? Yeah. So talk to me about this idea of like, what is, is there a way to approach this? Is there a way for people to have a conversation in the organization without being labeled, as you said, as unstable, lame? Are you looking at this as saying, hey, 
this is just what it is right now. And it's going to take another decade for people to really make this part of their, their equation. Uh, and as, as we go through it, like just to quickly share, this is reminding me of something that we do at Terminus at our offsites. Every time we have done offsite every quarter as a leadership team, well, and we would do it for about a couple of days. The first, almost, I would say four to five hours is that exactly that. It's literally, we would go through, uh, I forgot what, uh, what my, my, my co-founder did, um, which book he, it was from, but last time it was fantastic. He brought in and says, where are you physically, personally, emotionally, spiritually? Everything is on the table, just talk through it. And as a team, some of us were crying. Some of us were like, oh my goodness. And we just now knew we became so much stronger coming out of that two day than any time walking into that two day because we're not started with goals. And then almost every conversation after that became faster, smoother, direct, and knowing that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm just curious, there's obvious benefit when you do it right and there's a place and time to do it at least for us it felt like it wasn't in company always from it was almost like going out and doing it but if you're dealing with something and you're dealing with now something how do you, how do you approach that or are there any best practices around that yeah so it's a really interesting question and this is normally where i would insert the fact that i am not a mental health care professional so take <laughs> what i'm saying <laughs> That's right. I host a podcast, people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nothing you and I say is reliable. Like, but just with that definition, I'm not a doctor of any kind. Um, so, so the first thing is that I like to encourage people to look at. So, so I'm going to give you a couple things. One of some of it's going to be like superhuman, and then the other part is going to be like super company and corporate, right? Uh, so, on a human side, let's touch that first. The first thing is that be self-aware, right? Know when these types of things are creeping into your mind and your heart. Um, I talk about self-awareness all the time because I think it's one of the best qualities we can have as people. And I think it does really help drive where your career is headed, right? Self-awareness, huge skill, especially when it comes to mental health. Uh, if you're not self-aware and you're having mental health issues, how will you know that you have those mental health issues? Will you know when you need to reach that breaking point and go find some help? You probably won't if you don't have a heightened sense of self-awareness or at least a conscious effort to be self-aware. So that's a very human part of it, right? Be self-aware. And then be fearless, right? Like you don't have to go stand up in your office and scream out to everybody, I'm going through a divorce, right? That's not that's probably not going to help your case as somebody that is trying to avoid a label or a stigma, right? Uh, but going to your supervisor and informing them that you have something personal happening in your life that is taking time away and distracting you, that sets an expectation for your supervisor to know, okay, I'm going to try harder not to hammer down on this person because this personal thing is probably important to them and anything I can do to help is what my response should be, right? A good leader should say that if they've come to them with a personal problem or a mental health problem, a good leader will say, I, I need to address this and help this person as much as I can. Um, and that's kind of the culture that we're promoting anyway. Some, some cultures are not that way. They're very quick to say, oh, well, you know, thank you for letting me know. It's been great having you here. Let me show you the door, right? You're a, a crazy person, right? Or whatever label you want to stick on it. 
Uh, and then on the, on the corporate side, I, I feel like there are processes that to go through. Number one, does your HR person need to know? Does your HR department need to know that this is happening to you? And number two, do they have any resources for me that can help me? And number three, am I protected? And what kind of protection do I have? I certainly, if I'm suffering from depression or anxiety, I don't want to go to my HR department and let them know that only to then receive the pink slip a couple of days later because they feel like I'm unstable or not safe or you know whatever have you. Uh, so, so there's a number of ways that this can be handled. And I think it all starts with how comfortable are you talking about it? That's the human side on your end as the person that's suffering from whatever it might be. Uh, and then the other side is this corporate side. How will you respond to that now that you know? Will you respond favorably and support this person on getting through this very troubling time in their life? Or will you condemn them and stick labels on them and attach that stigma that could eventually just make this person even more depressed or more anxious and potentially cause you to lose a valuable employee. So I think both parties kind of have to have this give and take. Companies have to understand that people are people and they deal with people stuff all the time. And people have to understand that companies have goals and needs that need to be met and they hired you for that reason. So it's important that they're aware and informed on what's happening in your personal life that's distracting you from helping them hit those goals. If both parties are able to have this open line of communication and they're supportive of one another doing what's best for them. I feel like that is the best kind of employee company relationship that can exist from a mental health perspective. I love that, man. I really, really like the, how you broke it down between the human and the corporate part. Could you, as part of your podcast, how many, how many episodes have you guys done so far? Yeah, so we've recorded like 10 podcasts, but we've only shared about four. So there's a little bit of an editing process there. And then we do make a, a good habit out of sending the final cut to the person that was interviewed so that they can approve it. And we have had a few instances because I'm extremely likable and people talk to me very openly. Uh, for some reason, they let their guard down and they just say crazy things to me. Uh, we've had instances where someone will call me two weeks after we record and go, hey, you know that part when I said I'd really like that to not be on the podcast. And of course, their comfort level with sharing their story is paramount for us. We, yes. we, we, we need them to be comfortable enough to come on the show. And then we also need them to trust us after the fact. We don't want them out there saying this person, you know, got me fired because I said this thing and asked them not to post it and they posted it. Yeah. So you know, we're dealing with this, you know, kind of as we go, but also at the same time, learning that uh, the cooperation of others and us being able to communicate with them about what they want to share is absolutely essential. Um, I, I, I do see that putting this thing to, like, I've never hosted a podcast before. It's the first podcast I've ever hosted. Uh, and uh, like to take on such a giant thing was like a little bit scary for me. Uh, but I do love the fact that it seems like when people come on the show, man, they're just like really ready to give it to me. And I always, I always yeah, they just want to tell me everything. Uh, and I always talk about it in a positive light. And I think that's why they, they, they give me as much as they give me is because most people that talk about mental health end up in this very dark place, mm. you know, and I've gone through so much crap in my brain and in my life. Like my heart has been through the gutter and back that I can talk about all this stuff and kind of make light of it. And I think that's different than what most people expect when they 
talk about mental health or mental illness, depending on which one you might skew towards. That's fascinating, man. Could you share um, maybe an example of what you might have published as to like just walking through their story and how they came out of it? Sure. So just recently, I interviewed Richard Harris. Uh, Richard Harris is a, a big social media personality. Uh, and we talked about how he used his depression as his superpower. Mm. Uh, so I thought that was interesting because most people would consider depression to be something that they don't want. It's, you know, it bothers me or it drags me down, right? But instead, I think his mentality worked really well for him to say, okay, now how can I use this, right? And it became something that he was able to harness and use to connect with lots of different people and impact their lives. And in the end, isn't that what we're all after? I mean, if you're in sales or marketing, then your goal should be how many people can I impact today? How many people can I change today? Richard used his depression to be able to change lots of people just by sharing that story and becoming successful in spite of it. Wow, man, that, I mean, that's, I mean, I just wrote that down, man. You know, using whatever the negative thing is uh, and turning that positive, like, you know, I believe in, to me, like, you know, God always uses the weakest of weak. I almost feel like the weaker you are, the more opportunity, you know, God has to like pull you out of it and do something greater with that. So I think sharing yeah. that actually is a superpower in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, because I'm so familiar with what it is to go through something that you don't necessarily want to go through, but that you have no choice but to go through. I spent most of my life in family therapy, you know, because my family was so messed up. But, but and I think a lot of people kind of relate to that, right? We all kind of feel like our families are aliens amongst regular yeah. things, regular people. Uh, but I think I relate to all these people when they come on the show and they tell me their stories. I relate to them really well wow. because I, I have such a wide array of mental health experiences. Uh, and I, you know, when I took the, the role on of, of hosting the podcast, I, I didn't even look at that as something that would be beneficial. I was essentially looking at myself as somebody that was going to ask a few questions, get some good answers and then respond to them. Right. Like that's sort of how you've been. You're like, all right. And then it turned out like right when I started, I was like, oh man, like I know all about some of this stuff. We should, <laughs> I should talk like just crazy stuff about it with these. And it, it ended up working out really well. <laughs> that is fascinating. I feel it. I mean, interviewing is a skill, obviously, but having the heart to hear somebody out for what they are going through and, and saying that, you know what, I've been there or I've seen some of this, I understand it. And in a way that the other person feels like, oh, you actually do get me. You're just not nodding your head. You actually do get me. This reminds me of this, uh, oh, I'm a, I'm a, one of my favorite books is uh, uh, Love Does by Bob Goff. And uh, it, it's a fascinating book. And one of his first chapter says, I am with you. That's the first chapter. And I'm like, how, what does that mean? And he shared a story in, that, in this book, in the very first chapter about this. When he was in high school, he had this guy uh, who just kind of older guy, a little bit older guy to him, uh, kind of just mentored and looked around for him in some way. And one day, Bob just decided like, man, you know what? The high school thing is not my thing. I'm going to just hit the valley, um, do rock climbing, which I love. I'm going to find some job at some store and just go rock climbing. That's what my life is going to be. So he knocks on this guy's door and he tells him like, hey, th thanks for being kind of my mentor for the last few months or so. Yeah. 
but I'm, I'm going to bail. I'm going to go now. And this guy looks at him and says, I'm with you. Let me come with you for the couple of days while you get settled and then I'll come back. So he goes with him and he stays there. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil the, all the details because it's worth the read. And yeah. it, long story short, you know, Bob was unsuccessful in finding a job and he didn't have enough money and he figured out like life is kind of rougher than he thought. And so he's like, man, I, I want to go back. And Bob, so this guy says, okay, fine. I'm with you no matter what. Let's go back. So they both came back. And what is interesting is when Bob entered this guy's house, he saw that he had all these wedding presents and stuff like that there. And he's like, well, what happened here? And he realized that this was this guy's like first day after his marriage. But he realized that Bob was in such a trouble that he told his wife like, hey, I need to go help this guy out because he is like, he's going to get lost. And he's yeah. like, okay with him. So this whole story is about, I am with you. And I think what you're doing with a lot of these people with this thing is literally in some way, shape or form saying that I'm with you. I get where you are. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. And I'm not going to do I'm just here to tell you that I'm but, with you and I've been there. That's right. that's right. But I will take the journey with you is the thing, right? Like uh, that's, that's definitely me. I, I attach to these people pretty quickly because I feel like they need it. Number one, number two, you know, that's why, so that's why our mantra, our slogan is untold, unanswered and united, right? Because together we're uncrushed. The concept of uncrushed is that we are constantly telling our, our teams, go out there and crush it. Go out there, crush your goals, crush your quota, crush the day, own it, carpe diem, the whole nine, right? And we think that that is always motivational. And I'll tell you the truth is that what I'm learning in this process of meeting these people is that sometimes it's motivational. Other times that pressure is not something that people respond positively to. And it can cause a lot of discord in the mind and heart. And the second discord enters the mind and translates down to the heart, you start seeing a lack of productivity, a lag in the day, um, frowns, right? Like if you're walking around in your office and you see a lot of people just kind of with their headset on, you know, flowing through, you know, hey, whatever. It's a whatever kind of day, right? Those people have lost their passion because they feel that pressure and that pressure forces them to react negatively instead of positively. The other side of the coin is fine with pressure. Let's go out there and sell 10 cars today. These are the guys that are like, yeah, and they go out there and they do it. Uh, but the other portion of that team is like, no, thanks. I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. I'm probably going to look for another job tomorrow. This is a little <laughs> much for me. Right. So, so I feel like you have to kind of know the type of person that you are dealing with. And that person has to be self-aware of the type of person that they are before they take a job, like a sales job or a marketing job, any job with deadlines is going to have pressure. So the real question becomes, how do you deal with pressure? And as the company, how do you give pressure to people in an effective way? And then does that pressure come back to you in a negative format? And if it does, you should address the way that that's being handled. I love that, man. All right. So first of all, this, this is like, this has been fantastic, man. And I, and I wanted to make sure that I don't miss on the, on the fact that this is a big problem. Um, I was looking at your website, uncrush.org, which says that one in five adults in America experience mental illness and nearly 60% 
don't seek treatment, which means that there's conversations and things that are happening that are not on there and you guys are brave enough and making people feel courageous enough to share that and make this out there. So it's a big problem, big challenge. Uh, and I want to support in every way I can. So I'm going to share maybe the top two or three big takeaways. And James, after that, I want you to share a challenge with everybody that's yeah. listening to it uh, and also how they can get connected and do whatever they need to do to help uh, the cause that you and Tim are so generously focusing on. So number one, uh, I, I, I love when you went in there and said that a lot of times you'll just, peep, you'll just get labeled and maybe you have labeled others or you're the one who had been labeled in the past as being weak, as being lame, as being unstable or untrustworthy, lack of confidence, all those things because of whatever is going on in your personal side and because of which you may never share anything. But then you, you shared this really interesting paradigm of like, what's the human side and what's the professional side of it? The human side is focus on figuring out and being self-aware. So for me, a lot of things that I do to be self or try to be self-aware is, is journal every day. Like, so I journal and I look at patterns of things that I say and write in my journal and it's very simple. Um, and it's like, takes me like 10 minutes, but I've seen over the last four years, the things that do matter to me and things that don't matter to me. And, and so there's, there are ways, at least what I've tried to do is being self-aware. The second thing you shared was about being fearless. Like it's okay to have this thing because as the staff just shared, uh, one in five people struggle with it. So you're not that uncommon. It's, it's okay to have that. So be fearless. And then third one was about setting expectations with your manager or direct leader and building that trust early on as opposed to let the results and then you create an excuse as to why you didn't meet those results. Let that be set in. And then there's the professional part of it is that you have to figure out does your company support? I think there are more and more companies now have programs in place and policies in place that actually do support. There's a hotline and a lot of this information I was just going through on crush.org. They have a list of all the different services and all the links of all the different companies yes. and cell phone numbers that, that you could probably go to and, and seek help. So you can get counsel, you could probably get protection and, and know how the company might, might, might look at it. And then the final thing I'm going to share, which is the example you shared, James, of this person, uh, Richard Harris, where he used depression as your superpower. Um, so if you have any kind of grief, loss, depression, everything that we all go through different times in our lives, this is really interesting. And I want to go and listen to that episode as well, which is like, how do you use something that you feel makes you weak, lame, and all those labels that people have given you, maybe you've given that label to yourself and turn that into a superpower. Uh, because ultimately I feel like the weakest among us becomes the strongest when they expose what they have, because all of us are feeling that we're just not showing it. So with that being said, James, love for you to give a challenge to everybody who's listening to this amazing episode today. Yes, thank you. Uh, so first of all, we recorded the Richard Harris episode last week, so it's not public yet. I'll make sure to send it to you when we get it up live. My challenge to everybody is to do a self audit. Really ask yourself, are you happy with what you're doing? And if not, take steps to make yourself happy doing what you're doing or do something else that makes you happy. Uh, challenge, challenge yourself to say, does this give me fulfillment? That's something that most people don't measure in their lives. How much joy 
do I get out of what I'm going to do and spend most of my time doing every single day? Uh, and if you're not feeling those senses of fulfillment and joy and happiness in your day-to-day -day routines, be courageous enough to step up and tell your supervisor that you're struggling with that part of it. There are changes that they could make for you that will help you to feel better about your contribution to the company, the organization, the team, and the people around you. Uh, so that's my challenge. Do a self audit, ask yourself these questions that really do impact our day-to-day -day lives and change the way that we interact even in our social and personal circles, as well as our professional life. Love that, James. Thank you for being on the show and sharing your heart out, man. That was fantastic. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.